Friends in Christ Jesus, memorable experiences. That's the theme, the topic for our message this day. We all have them, and we talk about them over and over again. Some are painful. We regret them. A mistake or an accident, an illness or an injury, or perhaps some other tragedy, a death. This morning, our text gives us a basis for that theme, memorable experiences. Philippians 3, 12 to 14, part of the epistle lesson today, and also verses 20 to 21. Not that I have already obtained all this, Paul writes, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Yogi Berra is known to have said, It ain't over till it's over. And we could say the same about our troubles. They ain't over till they're over. And for too many people, they're haunted by their troubles, even after they've passed. And they become a source of perhaps regret or anger or fear, whatever. And those troubles prevent them from going on and living the rest of their lives. Let me offer some advice from the Apostle Paul that helps us to move beyond our troubles and their memories to the next part of our lives. St. Paul is the one who wrote the words we just heard. Now, he had said and done some things that he wasn't very proud of. I mean, they were shameful, terrible things he had done. He was there at the martyr, the killing of the first Christian. In fact, he held some of the clothes of Stephen, that martyr. He was not pleased with that memory and of the stones being hurled at uh, Stephen until he slipped into unconsciousness and finally death. Afterwards, Paul became a Christian and very much regretted those memories, those deeds that he was associated with. And he could have been overwhelmed with guilt and hung his head in shame and said, nobody's going to listen to me. I've done a terrible thing. My life is over. But he didn't. A change took place in him. If anyone could give advice on overcoming troubles, 
Paul was the man. He did not let his past actions keep him from future accomplishments. He let God's spirit and gifts be used in his life. Psychologists use a term when we are prevented sometimes from going on with our life after significant traumatic events. They call it scruples. What is a scruple? Something like a small pebble that's in our shoe, and it prevents your walking or running without pain that's experienced. How do we deal with that kind of a scruple, that kind of guilt? or bad memories. Let me tell you one way that I came across. American Indian culture. You dig a hole in the ground, and then you get down on your stomach, and you yell into that hole. Guilt, fear, anger. And then you cover that hole up and go on, and supposedly you're rid of all that problem associated with guilt or fear or anger. Let me tell you an easier way, a better way. You can look to the cross like here, and you can remember that Jesus came and died for those sins and all the guilt and the fear and the anger that might be associated with those sins. And you can be freed of that. You know, you had that experience this morning already in the confession of sins, the declaration of freedom, the declaration of grace. Once we've let go of our sin, there can be a new beginning, as there was for St. Paul. Fulfilling the purpose God had for him, he says, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's influence extended over 2,000 years to this day. He didn't get stuck in his past sins and all those bad feelings associated with those sins or memories. No, instead he accepted Jesus' forgiveness from the cross and moved on. And that's what he's asking, inviting, encouraging us to do here this morning. Just to share a little bit about his life, he uh, wrote 13 epistles or letters in the scriptures, more than anyone else. He went on three missionary journeys. He visited the city of Rome, took a trip there, He stood before scholars and kings and mobs, and he did what God called him to do. He carried out the mission that God, the purpose that God had for his life. Once we've let God deal with our sin and guilt, what's next? Just as for St. Paul. What does God want each of us to do? 
What purpose does he have for our life from this time forward? Paul said it this way. As we lay aside the past, the bad memories. I press on toward the goal. And I'd like for you to repeat these words after me, to kind of make a commitment for yourselves or a recommitment. These words of Paul. Would you repeat after me? I press on toward the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me. Heavenward in Christ Jesus. A new beginning for us. St. Paul was not just living for the past, but for the present. And that future, which he describes as heaven. He focuses on heaven then not as a duty, a requirement for us, but a joyful continuation of his life. Just as we heard by Pastor Vern last Sunday in the service. Uh, His sermon theme, if you weren't here, was Mercy Gives Us a Second Chance, Grace Throws a Party. God's mercy and forgiveness. And it's all because, of course, our loving Heavenly Father described in Luke 15, that parable of Jesus. I began by saying that this sermon is about memorable experiences. And I've described a few of the difficult situations that might trouble us, trouble Paul. But now I'd like to go on to more positive experiences. Experiences of birthdays and baptisms, of marriages and anniversaries for some of you. And some memorable experience of children and grandchildren. Diane and I are in in that category. Today is also a very important day for myself and my family because my immediate birth family, because on this day, April 3rd, 1956, the tornado in Manawa, Wisconsin, did something to the classroom that the students and I were in. I'd like to share that story as we reflect on how God came to our rescue that day. But I don't want to just talk about myself. This is just a way for you to think about some way that God has been there to rescue and show you his goodness in a special way as well. Well, here's our story. It was a cloudy dark day, and in our one-room classroom of 17 students, the power went out. I was a third grader, nine years old, and Mrs. Wiley told us to go down to the basement to get our milk break recess a little early. I was the studious type. I said, I wanted to stay and work. She said, no, it's bad for your eyes. You go down too. And boy, was I glad I listened to her. Because after we got down there, we heard this ferocious noise, some described as a freight train. I remember the rattling of the pipes. 
And this is why they had us all stand against the west wall and say the Lord's Prayer. We could see debris flying out from the windows in the basement. One student said, there won't be any school tomorrow. (laughs) And Carson was right. Afterwards, we went upstairs. Mrs. Wiley went first and came down with this sad expression on her face and said, children, come up and see your classroom. As we wound our way up through the stairs, we noticed cracks in the ceiling, went through the entrances and looked out into this debris. Is that the... No, we're ready for the slides, Eric. I forgot to cue you in. We, there's three of them. This is one. This is the uh, east side, the class where all of the uh, classroom stuff was blown out. Oh, I know, I was going to use this. Laser, you can see. This, this is the, the floor of the classroom. And all the debris, all the classroom stuff came out. And uh, the, uh, I don't know why this isn't working, but (laughs) right down on this corner here. There we go. Oh, you have to be close, I guess. Uh, This was actually the teacher's desk, uh, as well as it looks like some is on the floor. Okay, next slide. Yeah, this one is kind of interesting. These windows here, we were right below them in the basement, and not a single window was broken. All the debris out there that was on the west side. So, next picture. This is uh, the, the north side, I guess, east. This, this is where all of the, yeah, this is the south side. Yeah, this was the east side over there, or west side over there. And you can see out on the yard and then even beyond into the fields, there were papers and desks and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, years later, actually, 19... 19- 73, when I was ordained into the ministry, uh, Mrs. Wiley was there at the reception after the ordination at my home congregation, Manoel, Wisconsin. And she said, God saved all those students so I could become a pastor. I think she was exaggerating a bit, but uh, they all had a plan, and God wanted them to live out his plan, and purpose for their lives. Well, you're here because God has a plan and purpose for your life and has spared you through maybe some of your traumatic experiences so that you could continue with that plan and purpose he has for you. When I was home in Manoir, Wisconsin, years later, one summer, Uh, Mrs. 
Wiley was in a nursing home. I went to see her. She was 100 years old. She was glad to see me. And she told us something that my brothers and parents had not heard. She said that when the two students who came into the school after using the outhouse right before the tornado couldn't get in because of the pressure of the wind on the door, but an angel had opened the doors. She said we didn't tell anybody because they'd think we were crazy. But again, a sign of God's care for us on that day years ago. Mrs. Wiley uh, gave me a picture of the Good Shepherd. It's this one here. Jesus the Good Shepherd, and on the name, on the back of the picture were the names of all 17 students, the grades we were in, and uh, she had given it to my mother to make sure I had it. The Good Shepherd had taken care of us on that day many years ago, April 3, 1956. And each of us has a story to tell of God taking care of us. What memorable experience or experiences have you had in which God spared your life or offered you protection, disaster, or help in some way? Such experiences tend to draw us closer to God as we realize his love and loving care for us. But we have to add, not all lives are spared. Some are lost. And Jesus' life was one of them. The most memorable death in all the scriptures. Jesus lost his life. And yet, the good shepherd that he is, we remember that his life was restored and that our lives will one day be restored. Just like in the spring season, there you see some blossoms right out there. The signs of spring are a sign of new life after the dead of winter. So it's a reminder of the new life yet to come in heaven. Yeah, the, the beauty that we see and the goodness outside in nature can't compare with the beauty, the goodness we'll experience in heaven. Each day, in conclusion, is an opportunity to forget our guilt and our fear, anger, to let go of those feelings of the past, the present, or the future, and to live with memorable, joy-filled experiences of God's care and protection for us through our lives. St. Paul also reminds us that even better things are ahead. And I like to call these the most memorable experiences, those of heaven. We were not there yet, but they're coming. He writes, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control 
will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. In this Lenten season, we have the comforting assurance of God's love for us because Jesus proved it with his death on the cross for our sins and all our hang-ups and all the other tensions in our lives. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the people of God said, Amen. Once more. Amen. Amen.